Greetings, my good people. What is happening? What is going on? How are we feeling? What's the latest and greatest? Hope your Monday and holiday week is off to a great start as we're just a few days away from celebrating the 243rd birthday of this country. But first and foremost, tons of sports talk to get into, and you've come to the right place here on the J Reels Podcast. I am your host, J Reels. For those listening for the very first time, welcome aboard, and thank you for downloading and listening to this content. And for those who've been with me now through all these episodes, culminating in number 78, which is this one right now, I welcome you guys back. Again, on a Monday, July the 1st, that's right, we're already starting the back nine of 2019 as we roll steam ahead to 2020, just six months away. Unbelievable when you think about it. But uh, summer is uh, certainly here. It's warm. There's not a cloud in the sky here in the Northeast, and uh, I love it. Uh, How could you not? When the sun starts to set around 8.30, the days are longer, warm air, nothing beats it. I'm sorry. I just had to put that out there. Everybody knows me. I'm a summer guy, so enough of that. Let's put that aside. Before I begin, just a little bit of housekeeping. I want to give an early birthday shout out to my man, my mellow, my former radio partner, JD, who tomorrow... We'll turn Mookie Betts, we'll turn, I got to throw some Mets in here, Sid Fernandez, Benny Agbayani, a bunch of five O's in the mix as he will turn 50. So my man, my Mel, I got to get you on. Lots to discuss, lots to catch up on. Uh, I want to give you an early birthday shout out to you, my man. May you have uh, 50 and 500 more and enjoy this one to the fullest. All right, what's on tap? Yankees, I think they scored another five runs, another crooked number. As they just pounded the Red Sox over the weekend. Sorry about that, J.D. Yankees are flying high. I'll tell you one of the reasons why they are where they are. And of course, you could say, hey, well, they're in first place. They have a comfortable lead over Tampa and Boston. But there's a reason this 2019 iteration is much different from last year's team. The Mets, what a week it was for them. Uh, What could you say? Lots to get into with that. And uh, they finally did have a win yesterday. But we'll talk about what's going on with both of the locals as well as the whole baseball scene. NHL free agency opens up today. Bunch of trades that are being made and some rumors about some players that are uh, signing and moving to different addresses. So we'll talk about that. But first and foremost, the NBA feeding frenzy of free agency not only has begun, but it started in just unbelievable fashion. And it seems as if as the years go on, as the years go by, I remember in 2016 when Kevin Durant on the 4th of July, I believe, said to the world that he was leaving Oklahoma City to go to Golden State, and everybody was just up in arms. Everybody couldn't believe it. And here we are three years later for the six net fans that are out there, including Evan Roberts, WFAN, who I had him on the program very early. I believe it was my third or fourth episode I had him on. So he's one guy who, to me, is the president of the Brooklyn Net Fan Club. But here we are, 2019, and you could finally put to bed the nightmare of the Billy King trade six years ago to Boston has perished. It's over because you wake up this morning and not even this morning. You went to sleep last night knowing that you got your two max free agents. We know all the rumors, all the talk. Kyrie was the worst kept secret in the league. But when Kevin Durant was part of the mix and into the fold, I'm sure, maybe not for this year because you got to put that to rest. But moving forward, And hoping, praying, wishing that he could be anything close to the player that he's become, to being the second best player in the league. If it's anything like that, one year from now, we'll start talking about a potential Brooklyn Nets team in an NBA final. We can't talk about that today, though. What we can talk about is that your organization certainly, I'm not going to say light years, but certainly is two steps ahead of the game compared to the team on the other side of the river that resides in One Penn Plaza in Midtown on 34th Street. And we'll get to the Knicks in a little while because right now it's all about the Brooklyn Nets. And as I said with the Kyrie scenario, we know it was the worst kept secret. From weeks on end, it seemed as if he was going to land there. We'll look forward to the press conference to see as to the reason why. I have a feeling that, and this goes back to, what is it, a couple years ago, all the talk with Kyrie and Kevin Durant at the All-Star Game, wanting to join forces. And a lot of the interviews that you've heard with Kevin Durant, he loved Kyrie's game and what it would be like to play with him. 
I understand this tampering and things of that nature, but if you read between the lines in some of the podcasts and interviews that he's conducted, you could see right through that he had great admiration for one Uncle Drew. Now, we'll get to Durant in a second, but with Kyrie, I know the Net fan is, they're happy and they're giddy, but I'm sure a part of them is a little skeptical knowing the divorce that happened in Boston, everything that took place with his surliness, his mood swings, the way he was unable to lead, everything that happened in the middle of the season, especially in that game down in Orlando in January to the press conference at the Garden in February where he asked me July 1st. Well, July 1st is here and we know where he's going. And knowing that D'Angelo Russell, who was part of this team for a couple of years, who certainly played the good soldier, who certainly became a leader on this team, actually became an all-star. And now he's going to be going to Golden State as part of a sign-and-trade where he's going to sign a four-year deal for $117 million, and we'll get to that in a little while. But I know the Net fan in the back of their minds are probably thinking, all right, we got an upgrade with Kyrie as far as talent-wise, second-team All-NBA, but the unknown of a one D'Angelo Russell and how he would have been able to blossom and flourish in this system with Coach Kenny Atkinson, we'll never see that. And we can't speculate whether or not, oh, would it, would it have worked if it was just Russell and Kevin Durant? We'll never know that. And we can't answer it. And people could answer it or try to answer it as much as they want, but please, it's just a waste of time and a waste of breath. Now, as far as Durant is concerned, you can't even think about his name after the press conference whenever that's going to be. Now, of course, these all these deals aren't official until July the 6th. So you got until Saturday until... All this is going to be in black and white, 100% official. And I would think the press conference would be sometime early or the middle of next week. Now with Durant, who knows? He's probably going to have to wheel into the press conference considering he just had his Achilles operated on. And I bet uh, rehab probably won't start, in for, I would think, for another couple of weeks. Or maybe not even that. Probably maybe even a month or so. Not that I would know, but you would think. Now he's in a boot. He's probably walking around or he's in that motorized scooter deal who knows but with Durant as I said you can't think about him coming back at all as much as you're going to anticipate this year if the Nets get off to a flying start and you're gonna be oh man imagine if we had Kevin Durant or let's say even if you got off to a slow start and said oh but Durant was there no you gotta put that out of your mind because you're gonna hear that all year long no matter how good the Nets are no matter how bad they are so forget about it Yes, is he part of your team, part of your fabric? Absolutely. But if you think that he's going to come in and you're going to pray and hope that let's say if his recovery becomes ahead of progress and you may hear whispers about, oh, well, he may be healthy enough that if the Nets make it to the conference final, he's going to play. No, don't even entertain those thoughts. And I don't care if Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, of course, drops a bomb. And says that, yeah, he's looking to target to come back in a conference final if the Brooklyn Nets make it that far. Please, I would just throw that in the garbage. Because you got to look ahead to 2020 and beyond and not look at this year to have a one number 35, which you think he's going to wear that number. And off the top of my head, I don't know if any Brooklyn Nets have that number. And if they did, of course, they're going to give it up. So that goes without saying. But with Durant here and having him in the mix... It's certainly going to ratchet up the expectation factor. I know this time next year, everybody's going to be, especially if the Nets have a very good year and let's say they make it to a second round, which would be a step ahead of where they were this past year, making it to the first round, losing in five to Philly. But now everybody's looking at the Brooklyn Nets as the team here in New York. And I'm going to say this. Everybody knows me and they've listened to me. For quite some time, you know I'm going to go with this. Now, I've seen Brooklyn Net hats and jerseys and things of that like ever since they moved to Brooklyn from New Jersey. And one of the things that bothers me to no end, especially being in this town and living in this town for almost my whole life, is that it's the biggest fair weather town on the planet. It is. And I don't need to run down the list of teams and the list of scenarios that this could possibly happen because I even said it if the Knicks were to get Kyrie and Kevin Durant you're going to see blue and orange everywhere and I'm not talking about Met colors or Islander colors so here we are at this stage where they made these deals and they also got to throw in DeAndre Jordan as they signed him too 
And DeAndre Jordan is going to be an interesting piece because it brings them more size, more length, especially to go up against the likes of Joel Embiid, even Ben Simmons to a certain degree. So that was also a nice little plug in there. But with the fans as it is in New York, and I don't know of any Brooklyn Nets fans other than the one I mentioned earlier, I better not even see Durant jerseys by the 4th of July. I'm sure I'm going to see the Kyrie jerseys, and I get that he's a local kid, obviously from South Orange, New Jersey. We get all that. But at the same time, I better not even... I don't want to hear a peep from anybody. And you're going to see black and white littered throughout the city. You're going to see people rocking all the different types of jerseys, the shirts, the hats, whatever. And it's going to be sickening. It really is. So all I got to say to those fans out there who are ready to run to Models or run to any sporting goods store to buy this stuff, just make sure that your bandwagon has airbags. Because if that comes crashing, for whatever the reason, and I hope it doesn't, because you, why would I want to root against the Nets? But the sad part is I'd have to root against them because of these fans that are just coming out of the woodwork like termites. And that's what's going to not only bother me, but irk me to no end. So, Net fans, and I know you can laugh at me. Oh, Jay Reels, you know what you're talking about. Ha ha, yeah, who are you to tell us or who to root for, whatever. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let me see that emotional investment that you have in the Brooklyn Net team that obviously has had a couple of good years back in the Pierce Garnett era. I'm talking about Brooklyn. I'm not talking about New Jersey. I'm not going back to Jason Kidd, et cetera. Right. No, I'm talking about this iteration of the Nets. So you had those couple of years where you won a series against, uh, against Toronto. And obviously, he lost to Miami. And he lost to Chicago after that. So, I don't want to hear it. Or before that, excuse me. And he lost in seven games. I don't want to hear it. So, please. Net fans go, or the so-called net fans, just flock over to the other side because you're not going to want to hear from me. And I'll just leave it at that. As far as the Knicks are concerned, I'm going to start off with this. Before I even get to the players that they signed, we know that for years now, okay? And this is going back to 2010. So this isn't breaking news by any stretch of the imagination, but let's face it. The Mecca of basketball is not the garden anymore. It's not. And it hasn't been for years. Yes, as far as the building, the history, everything, absolutely. But let's face it. Knicks haven't won a title in 46 years. It's going to go on 47. That's number one. People wouldn't know under 30. People wouldn't know Walt Frazier. Well, obviously he wears those unbelievable outfits and God bless him for it and he's the guy who can rock it he's Clyde he's cool he's New York he's personified coolness but at the same time people wouldn't know who Bill Bradley was if they walked down the street and fell on him people wouldn't know half of those Knicks players from those days now again that's 40 something years ago but guess what let's even go to the 99 championship team if Chris Childs walked down the street would people even know who he is no yeah, a diehard Nick fan would know, absolutely. But the average basketball fan, they'd be like, oh, okay, who is that guy? They wouldn't know who Chris Childs is. They may know Larry Johnson, of course, from his days, more so than Charlotte and the Knicks, although he was a productive Nick as well. And, of course, everybody's going to know who Allen Houston is. But my point is, is that the Nick, whatever you want to call it, aura or just a garden playing in the Mecca, that is long gone. Because despite the fact of the beautiful ceiling and the building and all the history, and not even just with the Knicks, all the performances that have been there, you want to say the Rangers are at their one cup in 94, big whoop. But we all know the garden is the garden. But come on now. To me, that is beyond an afterthought that other than Amari Stoudemire in 2010, nobody. And to me, that was out of desperation. That was scraps because they knew they lost out on the LeBron sweepstakes. So it's like, oh, we have to get somebody in here. So sure enough. Here they are signing Amari Stoudemire. Now remember, Carmelo Anthony wanted to come here. So, and that was through a trade. So that was not through free agency. But that's over and done with. And this right here, with the signings in Brooklyn of Durant and Kyrie Irving, not only constitutes it, but it's stamped, signed, sealed, and delivered. Because you didn't even get one of those two guys. And the bad part is, is that James Dolan, I think, is a big part of that. Dolan, with the way he's treated former players, a la Charles Oakley, the way he's treated even the fans. Oh, you're going to watch him on TV. I'm going to revoke your tickets. Just him being the guy that nobody wants to even look at his face, let alone have him sign their checks. 
So I think that's also part of it as well. Because I'm sure Scott Perry, Steve Mills, they're trying to do it the right way. And I get that it had been leaked out that Dolan was saying, well, hey, we weren't going to sign him for the max. They didn't even get an interview. So how can you say we weren't going to sign him for the max if you didn't even meet with Kevin Durant or his representation to even think that, say, well, listen, we don't know his medical history. We don't know what's going on, the progress, so on and so forth. So we're not going to give him a max deal. Okay, it's good to say that. But if you didn't even get an invite to the dance, then why even bother saying that? So whether that was Dolan, I don't think it would be Perry or Mills. So to me, that's just a cockamamie story. I don't, don't want to say a cockamamie story, but that's just out there. And it's typical Dolan, if that was him, to say that. And it sounds like something he would say privately. How it got leaked out, who knows? But as far as the Knicks are concerned, their signings, I get that they're B and C level signings. You know, Julius Randle is going to be a nice player. We know his history, obviously, being from Kentucky and then drafted by the Lakers and then with New Orleans. And then they also signed Todd Gibson, two years, 20 million. The Randall deal was three for 63. They also signed Bobby Portis, the big, who I believe was what, two years, 31 million. And then also Reggie Bullock, the swingman, uh, two years for 21 million. Now, here's the good thing about those deals, people. They're not typical. Back in the day, Nick type deals where you're giving him four years at 70 something million. This isn't the Joakim Noah four for what was it, 72, which was, oh my goodness. When you first heard about that deal, excuse me, you wanted to just keel over and puke. But these deals are significant in the sense where they're only two years, de- two year deals. Now, we can't forecast down the road who's going to be free agents or who's going to be available at that time, but it doesn't bludgeon your cap. You're not tied up into these bad contracts with players that are going to be, I don't want to knock the players by any stretch of imagination, but you know, they're not going to be all-stars. Let's just put it that way. They're just not. And you want your team to continue to build and you want to try to go through the draft and hope that let's say two years from now, when these contracts expire, if they overplayed or if they were certainly overachievers, then Hey, maybe you sign them again. Two, three years. They'll probably sign for more elsewhere. But guess what? If that's going to be the case, then fine. I think the Knicks are doing it right. I understand the Knicks fan doesn't want to hear that today, considering what happened on the other side of the Brooklyn Bridge. But still, I wouldn't be so crazy to think that I'm going to rush to the nearest bridge and jump off or go to the nearest ledge. And I understand that's strong. And I get that's a comment that in this day and age is may not be PC. But we're talking about it from a sports terminology, people. Okay? I'm not trying to pick or nitpick, or even pick on a a very sensitive issue in this day and age. But from a sports perspective, for the Knicks fan that's going delirious right now, and thinking, ah, you know, the sky's falling, and this is the end, and why do I support this team? But hold on. You didn't tie your cap up with players that certainly aren't going to produce in the manner that they should. And I'll say like the Bucks, Chris Middleton, and we'll get to that one in a minute. So you're not signing these guys for 400 some odd million when they're barely all-star type players or even borderline all-star players. So if you're the Knicks right now, I think you're doing the right thing. You have the young core, obviously with Barrett. You also have Kevin Knox, who you hope has a year of growth here, and you would think that he's going to be part of the summer league this year. You only hope to continue to put these pieces around your core, Mitchell Robinson, of course, And then next year, you'll get another pick, hopefully. Maybe you'll get that number one pick. Who knows what player is going to come out of college? We know it's not going to be of anything near Zion Williamson, but still. So, Nick fans, I get that you're disappointed. I get that you're frustrated. I get that you may even feel a little bitter, knowing that the team that has been the laughingstock of this league for a long time now look like kings of New York. But we all know that for every sport, whether it's the NFL, whether it's baseball, and here in the NBA, you don't win championships in July. You could build teams in July and August, but right now the championship belt, yeah, it may belong in Brooklyn as far as what they've done so far. But remember, one of those players aren't going to even lace up their sneakers next year. So, Nick fans, worry about your team. Don't get so wrapped up on losing out on who is out there. And more importantly, focus on your team and look at what they've done to this point as far as their contract, uh, contracts are concerned. Yes, would I also be 
if I was a Nick fan, would I be feeling that way too? Like, oh, geez, Bobby Portis. Am I supposed to get excited about him or Reggie Bullock or Taj Gibson, who's a relic? No. But guess what? Taj Gibson, after this year, he's going to be an expiring contract that will bring you an asset. And the same could go, let's just say for argument's sake, Reggie Bullock has been a productive player and he becomes an expiring contract next year. You could bring something back. That's the NBA. That's what it's like in this day and age. And if you don't do that, look what the Knicks, look what the Nets did with Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb had $18 million that they traded to Atlanta. Why? Because they opened up that second slot to bring in a max contract. Guess what? Case closed. That's how you build in this league. Yes, you have to get lucky too as far as getting that first round pick, getting that once in a generation type. But if you can't do that, you have to be creative. And give the Nets credit, Sean Marks, etc. As I said at the top, that Billy King nightmare is over now. It's gone. It's kaput. Yes, is it still etched in the Nets fans' memories forever? Absolutely. That will never, ever go away. But guess what? It's gone now. You don't have to worry about what did we do to give the Celtics all these number one picks when you brought in the second best player in the league and you brought in a top 10 player in the league that could take you to heights that you've never seen before. And as we all know, it's not about making the playoffs. It's not about going to a conference final. It's not about a window where you've been competitive and maybe you've made it to a conference final and won a bunch of playoff games and clutch games and whatever it may be. It's about the ring. And if you don't prepare your team to get that brass ring, then why are you playing? Why are you in the game? And that's what it's about. All right. And then the Knicks also, they have $18 million left on the cap. Now, I understand they're not going to be able to get anybody that's left. And we know who's left right now. And uh, the big guy out there who won a championship up in Toronto, Kawhi Leonard. Now, Leonard did say that he's saving Toronto for last as far as his recruitment center or you know him going out and basically meeting up with all these teams. So we certainly have to see where he's going to land. And from all the reports, it's going to be a few days. So you may not even hear of anything until probably July 4th, maybe the end of the week, or who knows even into next week. It is Kawhi Leonard. But the Knicks certainly aren't going to be in the mix for him. And is right now, who knows? A lot of people think that he could be even part of the Lakers, which that would certainly flip the dynamic and the power in the NBA considering what's happened in LA recently obviously we talked about Anthony Davis a couple weeks ago with that trade but Kawhi's pretty much what's left you want to say Boogie Cousins you know would the Knicks take a flyer on that I wouldn't but you have him out there Kevon Looney is another guy that a lot of people will certainly draw some interest in bringing him to the team he's a good glue guy big body defense rebounding etc Uh, Besides that, you don't really have much on the free agent front. All the big guys, the big guns certainly have signed. And to go through that list, and it was quite a bit. I mean, it made your head spin. Tobias Harris. Well, no, let me go to Chris Middleton. Let me start with him. Even though Harris got a big contract. But Chris Middleton, and I get that they needed to strike a deal with one of these guys, considering that Malcolm Brogdon went to the Pacers four years, $85 million. And the Bucks shelled out big ones, and we're talking about bucks, pun intended, five years, $178 million for Chris Middleton, and I got news for you. I get that he he deserved the max deal, whatever, but man, that is just, and a guy that, he's a good player, he's a good shooter, I'm not knocking him by any stretch of the imagination, but he is not a max player, zero. And that's what I mean, Nick fans, could you imagine if they signed, not that Reggie Bullocks and the Bobby Portises of the world are worth that type of money. But let's just say if you signed them to like a, a Joakim Noah type. Or even when the Knicks signed uh, Tim Hardaway for the second time. Four for 72. I understand they had to do it, but they overpaid. And what did the Bucks do? They severely overpaid. So he's in the mix. Tobias Harris, five for 180. So he's part of the Sixer fabric. And that's a lot of money too for a guy who has a lot of ability. And I think will be very good in that lineup. Now that Butler's into Miami, we'll get to that in a second. But for Tobias Harris, he's another guy. He's not where he's a borderline all-star and he's making, let's face it, he's making franchise face money. Or face of the franchise money, however you want to cut it. So again, not a knock on Harris and his ability because he, we know he does have ability. 
but he's been on a million teams. He has produced in the playoffs last year. He was hit or miss. He had a bad game. I believe it was the game four. He was two for 13. And certainly didn't put his fingerprints on that series. And when you're making that kind of money, you got to put your fingerprints all over that series and certainly not bad ones. Also, the we'll go to Jimmy Butler then. He's part of a sign and trade, which is kind of even mixed up as of right now. The sign and trade was Butler to Miami, where the Sixers would receive Josh Richardson from Miami. But then now there's also talk about uh, Goran Dragic being part of a three-way trade. If you throw in the Dallas Mavericks, but that hasn't been official as of yet. And then there's also word that it may be Kelly Olynyk. So there's a lot of moving parts here. But we know that Butler's going to go to Miami. Butler's pretty much going to take over for Dwayne Wade and how ironic that is because they both played in Chicago, both Chicago guys, both went to Marquette, etc. And now he's going to pretty much take the place of Dwayne Wade. I've never been a fan of Jimmy Butler. He's a good player. Uh, again, he's not a max money type player, if you ask me. But you know, Miami had to do something because obviously with Wade gone and not being able to have that one player that I guess you could draw fans to the building... Having Butler in the mix certainly could do that, but he's not a guy that's going to put you over the top by any stretch of imagination. So they make that deal. The other big deal that Philly made and certainly fortified their roster is Al Horford, 4 for 109, and good for him. Listen, he goes to the enemy as a Celtic fan. That's tough, but he's certainly going to provide a lot of leadership. He's certainly going to help, I would think, a little bit more the development of Joel Embiid as far as being that professional, as far as being there, everything. So I, I think that was as big as a signing that you probably will get in the offseason, even though people will look at Brooklyn and say, what are you nuts? But when you have a team that's looking to win a championship and the window is now, and to have a guy like that on your team, I right, look what it did for the Celtics two years ago when you had rookie, uh, a rookie like Jason Tatum and, of course, Jalen Brown and what they did leading up to the Game 7, and even though they didn't make it to the finals, but having him and his presence was monumental. What did they do last year? Well, obviously they lost in five, but to me that was more other people than it was Horford. So that was a big signing for Philly. The Celtics, another sign and trade where they're going to get Kemba Walker and Terry Rozier is going to go to Charlotte. Now Walker, obviously Celtic fans didn't see that one coming. It certainly made sense and it picked up a lot of traction in the middle of the last week. You would think that the Celtics would certainly benefit from this although he's a couple of years older from than Kyrie but it's not going to bring that attitude bring that leadership obviously he went to UConn he's a Northeast guy he's from the boogie down Bronx of course so I think that was a, a good signing for them and it certainly makes up for the Kyrie loss because let's face it the Celtics right now they're certainly nowhere near any type of chance, championship aspirations but all you could say is that if they were able to bring in another veteran for the minimum who knows? They can make a run at this thing. But again, that's not for today. That's for down the road. But bringing in Kemba, I thought, was huge for them. Because it's certainly... Now, he's not as good or he's not better than Kyrie. Kyrie, obviously, is a lot more dynamic. But Kemba certainly has become better throughout the years. And you would think that him being on a team that certainly is going to be... Will it be his team? Who knows? But a lot of people may look at the rookies. or may look at the Jason Taters of the world. And I'm sure that to a certain degree, he's going to pick up a lot of the leadership on that team with him and Gordon Hayward. So, uh, again, that was a, uh, a good move by Boston to bring in a guy like Kemba Walker in. Milwaukee, we talked about uh, Middleton. Uh, Jamal Murray with Denver signed for 5 for 170. Now, he's a young player. He's part of that core, but we all know that another max contract is going to be coming soon, and that's going to be a one of uh, Nikola Jokic, which, hey, listen, that's Denver. Those are their two big guns. Uh, that They had to make that signing. So that was uh, certainly pertinent for them. But you also got to remember, they have another one coming down the road in Jokic. So certainly we'll keep our eyes on that. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much, those are the big ones. I know J.J. Reddick signed with New Orleans. So he leaves Philly. And Philly's going to need that outside shooter. Unless Ben Simmons is in the gym right now, which he should be. Taking a lot of mid-range and three-pointers. So they lose a shooter. I know Josh Richardson they bring in, but he's not really, he's not anything close to the shooter that J.J. Reddick is. So Reddick goes to New Orleans, and that's a good pickup for them. Veteran on a young team looking to build a two-year deal. And again, it's going to be where Kawhi goes. My guess, I think he stays with Toronto. With everything that's happened this year, 
I could see him signing a one and one, one with a player option, and then maybe next year he goes to LA. Now there were reports that there's some serious interest with him going to the Lakers. The Lakers they open up some more slots for another max free agent. Now remember they haven't signed Anthony Davis yet, who's due for a renewal after this year. And we all know LeBron is locked in for another two years. Because remember, I think that final year he has an opt-out. But boy, if Kawhi Leonard goes to the Lakers, oh yeah, yeah. I hope that's not the case. I'd rather them go to the Clippers, which would be great. And also the Clippers, we signed Patrick Beverly, three for 40. I'd just throw that in there. But yes, the NBA, it is front and center here on July 1st. And after Kawhi, it's going to cool down unless you may get some trades. Remember a couple of years ago when the Kyrie trade took place, that was in late August. Unless somebody's looking to strong arm their way out of a situation, you know, Carl Anthony Towns or somebody like that, then after, we'll just say after all the press conferences and once the dust settles, you think it's going to be pretty quiet. But that's what you have here in this NBA. I mean, just an amazing 24-hour news cycle that just made your head spin not only once, but like 16 times. Because from one second to the next, it was this player going here, it was this player signing there, it was, oh, what's happening with uh, this team, what's happening with this player, it's just nonstop. And the NBA hasn't seen anything like it, and the NBA, I'm sure, is loving it. So, and good for them. So that's what we got there with the NBA as we kick off this first half hour. The other thing I want to talk about, which I think is fascinating, two years from now, the NBA will celebrate their 75th anniversary, and there's actually discussions about possibly shortening the season or doing something to, and I don't know if it's just going to be for that year, but whether it's shortening the schedule, who knows if they're going to cut it to 75 games, 76, whatever. I'm sure it's probably got to be an even number games, but I think that's fascinating because you wonder if they do happen to do it, whether it's just for that year, which would be silly because you would think that they would want to do it for that year moving forward. What that means for the other sports leagues. Well, the NFL, they're looking to expand to 18 games. But when you look at the NHL and baseball in particular, and we get that the owners don't want to give up the revenue and the gate receipts and concessions and all that, we understand. Totally. But at the same time, if the NBA is going to do it, and they're going to have the forward thinking of saying, hey, we know that players and load management, and that's what it is in this day and age, it just, the schedule, the travel, it just grinds these players to the bone. That maybe if we just let up on a few games, it's going to not only help the product, it's going to benefit the player, and therefore the competition, you're not going to have to worry about what happened this past playoff when you had Kevin Durant leave with a calf injury and then blew out his Achilles, and then even Clay Thompson, who couldn't hang on to the rim and tore his ACL in the game six, you won't have situations like that. So, something that the NBA's considering, and I'd be all for it. Because the NBA season is too long to begin with. Same with the NHL. Baseball, again, to a certain degree. But it'll be interesting to see if they do pass that. And they have time. Because it's not for another two years. But I'm sure probably by this time next year, they'd have to have something in place. It would be fascinating to see if that were to happen, will the other sports league not only take notice, but would they follow the precedent? There's something to keep in mind. All right, now let's get to the baseball. The NHL stuff I'll get to later. I mean, five people care about what's happening in NHL. And for the hockey fans that are listening, please forgive me. I mean, I'm not trying to pick on you or make you feel like, ah, you know, we're not as important. Or, oh, there you go, J-Reels. Yeah, just kick hockey to the curb. Because I got to talk baseball. Games being played right now. Lots are happening with baseball. The All-Star break is next uh, Tuesday, or really next Monday. And 30 days from today, you have the deadline. Where, remember, this year you only have the one deadline. There's no waiver deadline until August 31st after the July 31st trade deadline. So, certainly, a lot of rumors are going to start to rampant up here over the course of the next uh, month. And to start us off with the Yankees, they just murdered the ball. I think they just scored another crooked number, as I said. And it was an interesting setting. Playing in that stadium in London, I didn't really focus on a lot of these games just because of the times and the weather was beautiful this weekend. And, you know, of course I was in tune to what was going on. And that first game, the Yankees had a 6 nothing lead and the Red Sox answered with six back, which is just, uh, please, it was like watching a softball game. And you look at these final scores, they look like they were straight out of the NFL as opposed to a regular baseball game. And prior to that, you know, the Yankees, obviously they swept Toronto. 
and certainly took care of business with what they did earlier in the week before they had the two days off traveling to London and spending time at the you know Big Ben and Parliament and all that other stuff. But the one thing I'm going to say here before I talk more about the Yankees, the reason why they're doing what they're doing this year, and what do they have? I believe they have a seven-game lead. Let me just double-check that. Yeah, they're seven ahead of Tampa, eight in the loss, and now 11 over Boston, 12 in the loss. The reason why is because they're dominating the AL East unlike they did last year. Remember, I believe their record against the Orioles last year were 11 and 8. 11 and 8. What is it this year? They're 10 and 2 against Baltimore. The Red Sox, I don't know what their record was. I'm sure it was close. Maybe the Red Sox were 10 9 or 11 8 2. They're 6 and 1 against them. The Tampa Bay Rays, who they played this weekend for four after the Mets here on Tuesday and Wednesday. What is their record against the Rays, who are right behind them in the AL East? 7-2. and two. And in Toronto, they just pretty much finished their first two series up in Toronto. And then, obviously, here with the sweep earlier this week. They're 4-2 and two against them. So those records right there are a contrast to what was last year, which, although winning 100 games, but they were 8 games behind the Red Sox. And part of the reason why is because of those records against the AL East. And as you see right now, they have a considerable lead this year and we're only on the 1st of July. So if they keep that up, they're going to just cruise to a division title. Now, two things. One, we all know that they're waiting to see if they can get a pitcher part of the mix of starting one. And who knows if it's going to be Madison Bumgarner. You're not going to think it's going to be Max Scherzer right now unless they just blow the doors off of the Nationals and their GM Mike Rizzo to the point where they have to take this trade. I mean, if they're throwing in Gleyber Torres, Clint Frazier, which the Yankees are not going to do that. Clint Frazier, yes. Gleyber Torres, no. But let's say for argument's sake, if they knew that, hey, we, need, we want to win a championship, this is, the, this is the year right now, right here, and we want Max Scherzer, considering he just came up with a 14-strikeout performance yesterday against his former team against the Tigers, then maybe, maybe they'll say, you know what, we'll take it. But other than Bumgarner or Scherzer, the Yankees are going to look for that starter long and hard, high and far, and... I will say this, as funny as that may sound, that they're going to look for a starting pitcher that they may not ever even get. But with the way analytics are and the way postseason games, you know, it could be in the third inning and he's down 2 nothing, and Aaron Boone is probably going to pull him. So, which is a shame and which is stupid because that's the way the game is played today with the dumb analytics. But, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, but that's just typical in this day and age, the way baseball is being run now and the way it's being played. But we'll worry about that in October, even though I'm saying it now. So just remember that. When the playoffs do arrive. But as far as the Yankees. Between that. Being the impetus. As far as getting that. Pitcher here. Whomever that may be. And they don't need a lockdown. Number one starter. Would they love that? Of course. But they're looking for more of a two or three. Somebody solid. Because they get Domingo Herman back. He's going to pitch against the Mets. In the second game of the Subway Series. So they'll look to get their. Reinforcements there. Jay Hat pitches in the game tomorrow. In the first of two, Jason Vargas against and then Zach Wheeler on Wednesday for the Mets fans. And we'll get to the Mets in a minute. But the Yankees, and as it is, Stephen Tarpley started the game yesterday. And with the Yankees using openers, they are 8-0 in those games. So to me, do they need a starting pitcher? It would certainly help. Absolutely, because if there's one Achilles heel on this team, it's that. But with the bullpen the way it is, as long as they don't tax it out and max it out, Come October, because as we all know, it's about October now. Because the Yankees are going to cruise to the division title. I understand they still have, count them, 12 games against the Red Sox. And even though I understand it's 11-game lead with 12 in the loss, but you figure they're going to pick up a game or two here. Now, we don't think the Red Sox are going to run the table. We understand that as far as head-to-head against the Yankees. But there's still a lot of games to be played against them. So it's not as if they played 13 games they have a 10-game lead where you could pretty much say sayonara to the division. But as of right now, you would think the Rays aren't going to probably make any type of deadline deals to bolster their team. And right now, they're certainly in the wildcard mix. They have the first wildcard spot over the Texas Rangers. So you think they're going to pretty much add a few pieces, but nothing major. And the Red Sox, who knows? I mean, we know they need to close in the worst way. We know that They've come out, they're starting, or they have started to come out a little bit of their World Series hangover, but they certainly can't seem to get on track. And again, if you're a Yankee fan, you're feeling good, you're feeling fine, you have these games against the Mets, where I could see there'd be a little bit of a letdown here. I mean, they scored a million runs this weekend, 
And granted, they're facing Jason Vargas tomorrow, and Vargas has actually unbelievably and arguably been their best pitcher since the middle of April. I can't believe I said that, but it's true. Just look at his numbers. Uh, even against the Phillies last week, he pitched six and a third, two hits, or three hits, two runs, and struck out ten guys. Phillies. That's a good lineup. But I could say, and they beat the Yankees a few weeks ago. I mean, I can't see that happening a second time around. But I will say this. I could see the Mets. I could see the Yankees having a little bit of a letdown here. And a little bit of a letdown, they're not going to, the Mets aren't going to sweep them. But I could see the bats maybe get a little cold, maybe some jet lag. Who knows? So maybe the Mets will get them at the right time. Rains to be seen. But, you know, we'll certainly keep our eye on that. Uh, as far as other news and notes with the Yanks, Stanton, I know he's on the IL again. What Cashman said, you're probably not going to see him until August. And I'm a, everybody knows I'm a huge Stanton fan. Always have been. The one thing with Stanton here, unfortunately, is that, and they're not going to rush him back. Listen, they have a huge lead, and I know he's going to be itching to play even if he's not 100%, but the Yankees, they're going to be smart about this because they know they, they're going to want him for October, and that's all that matters right now. But the thing is, he is going to be the face of the Yankee fan wrath if he ever fails in any type of spot. Forget even a big spot. I mean, that's an automatic. But he could come back and be 100%, just like you saw a couple weeks ago when he went 0 for 4 and two strikeouts and he booed him. So as long as he's here, he's going to be A-Rod 2.0. I mean, obviously without the circus around him, without all the off the field stuff, we all know what happened. But because he's getting paid the amount of money he's getting paid, and obviously he's a former MVP and he's big in stature, certainly isn't anywhere near the player that A-Rod was as far as all around is concerned. But because he's a slugger, power guy, good looking, the whole nine, the minute he fails, that's it. The booze are going to rain down on him. So that's one thing you got to look forward here uh, down the stretch, especially when you get into August once he comes back. As far as that stupid home run streak, I know I think it's now 32 games and counting. They topped the Texas Rangers, I believe, in the second game against the, the O2 Rangers. That second game against the Toronto Blue Jays. I didn't mention it last week because to me, it's a meaningless stat. Home runs are being hit every day, all the time. People can say, oh, Jay Reels, keep throwing ice cold water on the Yankees and their fans and whatever. But it, please, when they were approaching this record, did any Yankee fan care or even remember? Or even if I could have asked a Yankee fan, who holds the all time streak for consecutive home runs uh, by a team, they could have named it if, they, if their life depended on it. So now all of a sudden you're going to care about this record? Oh, yeah, this is meaningless. Who cares? And listen, if it was the Mets, I'd say the same thing. Nobody cares. Because that's what? They get hit a home run from now until October 1st. And they hit, oh, they've hit a home run in 100 consecutive games. And guess what? And they don't record the final out in October. Is anybody going to care? Is, that, is it, is it going to really matter at the end of the day? No. So there you go. Uh, I'm sorry, Yankee fans. If you're wrapped up in that home run record and you think it's a big deal, then God bless you. But I, there's more important things to follow. And uh, yeah, to me, that's just asinine. But anyway... As far as the All-Stars are concerned, obviously DJ Hill-Mayhew and Gary Sanchez are your starters. Aroldis Chapman is your closer. And you have the three Yankees there that are on the team. Obviously, you're not going to have Judge on there because of all the time off. And then same with Didi as well as Giancarlo. Uh, and yeah, and that's pretty much it there with the Yanks. As far as the Mets are concerned, if you didn't catch my video, I posted on Instagram and also Facebook. Uh, you may want to to watch that to get a couple of laughs because after the game on Thursday where the Mets had a 3-1 lead in the ninth inning and at that point I said there's no way Diaz could blow this and I didn't tweet anything I didn't want to put a jinx or a hex on it but once he gave up the home run I right out on the spot at 3-3 I said this trade is going to end up being one of the worst trades in Mets history that's all there is to it because Diaz has been a disaster ever since those two games against the Reds where he gave up home runs and game tying spots he has just been putrid and the reason why he was brought here, not only to be the closer, and I understand it was going to be tough for him to match 57 saves on a mediocre team playing in the Pacific Northwest. I understand that. But to come here with everything that the prospects that we sent back and even bringing back Cano's contract for four and a half more years now, he had to be great. Not good, not pretty good, great. Not even very good. And he has been so far from great that it's not even funny. So yes, after what happened last Sunday in Wrigley where they were that close to winning a game and then Seth Lugo fell apart and he gave up the home run there to Javi Baez when he couldn't bring in 
Edwin Diaz and everything that ensued. And that was pretty much on last week's podcast. You want to get a taste of that. But from Monday through Thursday, they had at least the lead from the fifth inning on. And they blew all those games. The bullpen has blown 21 of 39 save opportunities. The bullpen, which they might as well throw me in there. And I have a better chance than some of these guys that are performing in there. That they even had a guy, Chris Matza who filled in for Steven Matson in the rain delay Saturday, and he actually pitched pretty well, but come on, do you think that's going to stick? No. And then you look at even Friday, which, with Lugo again. Oh, I'm sorry, that was Saturday's game. Saturday's game, Lugo, the Mets had a lead in the eighth inning because Friday they were already out of the game. Early Austin Riley, home runs, but then you had Austin Riley again, back-to-back with Nick Markakis, with Lugo again, who blew that game. And then yesterday, miraculously, down... 5-3, they score five runs in the eighth inning. And of course, you have to hold your breath in the ninth because with this bullpen, it's inflammable to say the least. And they were able to hang on for an 8-5 victory to salvage the final game of that three-game series. And what you're looking forward to in the Mets right here is this. Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, both make the all-star team as well as Jacob DeGrom. I think DeGrom was more based on reputation. He's pitched good games this year, but he, I mean, he has a 3-2 ERA, which I understand this day and age may be good, but considering what he did last year, to me, he was just a throw-in, which is fine. You know, that's not throwing any shade on the Grom by any stretch, but let's face it, 4-7 and seven with a 3-2 ERA, eh. But we understand he's one of the game's top pitchers, so you're going to send him there. As far as Alonzo and McNeil are concerned, this is the only reason why to watch this team the rest of the year. I understand you may want to see Dom Smith. You may want to see Ahmed Rosario to a certain extent. But I said this last week, Pete Alonso gets hurt, and this is not a knock on Jeff McNeil because Jeff McNeil is a line drive hitting machine. The guy gets two hits every game. It's unbelievable what this guy does. It's I, before, Every time you look at a box score, two for four, three for five, two for four. I, please, I think he had an 0 for on Friday, but the guy is just, he's, he's a hitting machine. But as far as Alonso's concerned, and he hit a home run there on Friday night, he's at 28-64 and 278. You want to see him play the rest of this year. Now, he's going to participate in the home run derby, which we hope. This will be typical Met fashion. He'll pull a ribcage, and then he's on the shelf for six weeks, and then there you go. It's over and done with. And even worse, in a game, watch him get plunked on the wrist, and then he's on the shelf for four to six weeks too, or six to eight weeks, whatever it may be. All you hope is that he stays healthy throughout the rest of this year because you want to see him progress. You want to see him mature. You want to see him break records. Why not? This is the only guy that's going to be worth going to see. All right, maybe Jake. Or if Noah gets hot, I understand. Because the season's over. Let's face it, I said it the other day. After that debacle there, I, even before the game on Thursday, I said the season's over. The Mets right now are, it's the city of Walking Dead. Whenever I said the Mets season is over, is pretty much when I say the city of Walking Dead, coined by my former partner, J.D. And it's just an out-and-out disgrace how the way this bullpen has been constituted and Brody Van Wagen and everything I discussed. Even the early reports last week about Brody calling into the office or calling into the stadium there on June 1st, making in-game moves, whether it's pulling the Grom with a bad hip. And a lot of people are thinking, oh, how can that have been released? And who would have ratted him out? And obviously, you can look at the pitching, the former pitching coach, Dave Island. I don't know about the bullpen coach, Chuck Hernandez, but maybe Chuck Hernandez had an axe to grind and figured that, hey, I'm putting his name out there. Who knows? And I guess we'll never know. But the Mets season is certainly out to sea. I understand they're what? Six and a half games back from the wild card. You can forget about the division because Atlanta is just going to be off and running. So if you have any hopes, dreams, aspirations of a wild card, hey, I know I'm not the most jaded and cynical Met fan, but guess what? Most of us are. And uh, at the same time, I'm a realist. And I have, there's no inclination, unless this bullpen drastically gets better overnight, there's no way that this Met team is even going to be in the mix for a wild card. And that's all there is to it. So that's what you have there with the Mets. And this week, they are off today, which is good because this team has not had a day off since, I believe, since the before the Yankee series. So they've played, I guess, 21 to 22 straight games. They have a day off today. And then, unbelievably, and let's face it, absurdly have July 4th off. How is any team in baseball not playing on 4th of July is beyond me. So guess what? If you're looking for the Mets on July 4th, well, guess what? You're going to be happy because they're not going to lose on that day. But they won't win either because they're not going to be playing. So they have the two against the Yankees. And I don't think Vargas, he's, he's probably going to get pounded here. I could see it. But I will say this. If Vargas does put forth a good start, and for him, 
Six innings, three runs, six, seven hits, whatever it is. If I'm the Mets, you got to deal him. No ifs, ands, buts, maybes about it. Same for Todd Frazier. He's another guy. And Frazier, he, listen, he hit that big home run in Philadelphia to make it 2-1 there on Thursday where Edwin Diaz obviously just threw it away about 20 minutes later. Trade him. And, and same for Zach Wheeler. And I said that before and I'll say it again. Zach Wheeler is that guy who he'll give you seven innings, strike out 10, one run, three hits, and then he'll, the next game he'll walk the ballpark and it's four and two-thirds, six runs, nine hits, three walks. That's him. So, funny we're talking about sellers. Now, Vargas, you're not going to get much back from him. But the key thing, is, and I will say this, because the Met management, we all know how frugal they could be. If the Mets are thinking about getting any type of prospect back, and they're not going to get a top-level prospect, they're not going to get, they're not going to do that. Even for a guy like Zach Wheeler. And Jason Vargas is a no-hitter against the Yankees tomorrow. They're not going to get back the top prospect from whoever they're going to trade with. But I will say this. He's owed $9 million this year. So let's say right now we're halfway through. So they owe him another four and a half. If you're going to trade him, pay the rest of the money. Give him the four and a half million and then get a better prospect back. Maybe you get the fourth or fifth best prospect on that team's uh, minor league system. That's all you're looking for. Same thing with Todd Frazier. He's paid $10 million, so you're going to owe him another five. Guess what? We'll pay the contract. We want your third best prospect. Oh, you know what? What the hell? Shoot for the moon. Ask for the first. If they laugh at you, okay, how about your second, third, and go down the line. Don't just say, well, hey, could you give us maybe uh, a pitch you got in single A that's wallowing somewhere down there that we'll never see in the major league level? What point is that going to do? Hey, start high, and then if they say, you know what, we'll give you your third for Jason Vargas, man, you take that and run. So that's what the Mets should do here uh, over the course of the next uh, 30 days. And now you have, like I said, you have the Yankees these two games, and hopefully they'll perform well. You, you hope for a split, and that's sad because the games are at home, you'd think you'd want to sweep, but again, they are the Mets, and with no bullpen. And then they have the Phillies coming in before the All-Star break next week, which the game will be played in Cleveland. Now, to go through some baseball stuff, uh, I know you had uh, Manny Machado return to Baltimore last week, who got a standing ovation, and rightfully so. Uh, plus, he had a home run in that game, so he had his homecoming, and certainly was... Grand, I believe they won the second game too. They won both of their games in Baltimore. We all know Baltimore is the worst team in the league. So uh, you have that. As far as the divisions and what's happening with baseball, pretty much everything is status quo. Nothing really crazy has happened over the past week when it comes to the standings. I mean, we talked about what's happening with the Yankees, of course. Minnesota, they still have a nine-game lead over Cleveland. Uh, Last week, I believe it was eight and a half. So they're in good shape. The uh, Astros... And the Rangers, they certainly continue to play well. And you wonder if the Rangers are going to make any deals here because they're second in the wild card. And even with the Red Sox, I'm sure they're going to be looming in that race. I believe there's like five or six teams separated between the second wild card and whomever it is. I got to look at the wild card. I'll start looking at that more so after the All-Star break. I wasn't going to get wrapped up in wild card races before that because to me, once you get past the All-Star break and the rumors start to surface and trades are consummated, then you can really start looking at the wild card teams and those teams that are looking to make that leap. But uh, yeah, Houston has a comfortable lead there, as we've seen from time and time again. Same with Philly and Atlanta. Now, Atlanta, what happened? Oh, I'm sorry, Philly. So they had a seven-game losing streak. They got swept by the Marlins at home. So they sweep the Mets. So then they go to Miami, figure, all right, let's return the favor. What do they do? They had to salvage the game yesterday because they lost the first two games. And Miami's been pesky. They have. Now, again, nobody's going to look at them as world beaters. We get that. But they've, uh, they've played a lot better, and they're spunky. And, and listen, I hope Manningly stays there. Not to make this like a Marlins segment, but I hope he stays there because they, he's not working with much, if, if anything, for that matter. And who knows, they're probably pulling off a couple of those veterans, whether it's Grandison or Neil Walker to some team that uh, certainly looking for some veteran leadership. So I'm sure one of those two guys may be uh, headed out the door. The AL or the NL Central is looking like uh, it's going to be a huge logjam. Both Milwaukee and Chicago, now they're tied for the top spot in the division, but both teams are only six games over 500. Uh, you wonder what one of those two teams are going to do as far as uh, bringing in reinforcements. You know, Kimbrell's back in the mix as far as being a closer, so that's going to help them. Let's see what Milwaukee counters with here over the course of the next month. And then the Dodgers, they're the Dodgers. I mean, they're the, the class of baseball right now. Obviously, the best record. They have a, what is it, 13-game lead? No, 12-game lead in the division, and they're going to probably cruise to division titles. So, yeah, things have pretty much been status quo on the baseball front there with divisions and 
things of that nature. But obviously, that's going to be all the focus here. And real quick, before we uh, talk about the NHL and wrap up, the over-unders, considering we're past the halfway point of the year, I figured I'd just throw those out there. I had Chicago Cubs 89 over, the Nationals 88 and a half as an over, Angels 83 and a half under, Minnesota 84 over, San Francisco and Arizona respectively 73 and 77 under. Right now the locks are Minnesota 84 over. You would think San Francisco 73 under is going to be a lock. Uh, Arizona, well, that's actually going to be close. Is one how many wins did they have? 36? Yes, that's 72. That's not a lock. I shouldn't say that. Arizona, it's funny. About six weeks ago, I was looking at these, and I said to myself, I said, wow, I could be 5-1 and one here because the only one that looked like it was going to be a loss was Washington. And now they've actually played well. I don't think they're going to get over 88.5, though. But the Cubs were flying high, and now they're just a few games over 500. And look, 89. But you would think they're going to get at least to 90. The Angels, they played a little bit better, but still you figure they're going to fizzle out at some point. I, be, I believe they're game under 500, so that may come through. The Arizona, they, they're probably going to be in the mix for a wild card. So, yeah, right now I'm looking at 3-3. Three and three. Uh, But, that, of course, we all know that could flip and change at any moment, so we'll certainly... Uh, See how that goes as time goes on. Maybe I'll come back with those in the beginning of September. Uh, or maybe even mid-August. We'll see. Uh, just to revisit those. But those are your over-unders for me. For those who remember back in my baseball preview before the start of the season. Uh, just to think, as I look at this right now. Three and a half weeks, the NFL training camp's open. And I know there's a lot of people that love the NFL. And I love the NFL too. I love it. Although I've had my issues with them over the years. and But with that, with that being said... Camps open up in three and a half weeks. Summer just started. I am not even thinking about the NFL. And I won't think about the NFL until opening night, that first Thursday in September, and away we go. Because I cannot get wrapped up into that right now. I cannot. And nor will I. So for the NFL fan out there that's ready to puff their chest out and shake their fists and bring their colors out for their team, uh uh-uh, not me. You'll see me in September, my guys, because uh uh-uh. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, so two quickies with the NHL. Obviously, we'll see what the Islanders are going to do with the Anders Lee situation. I said before, to lose two captains to free agency in two years in a row, that would be bad. I understand Tavares was one thing, but Anders Lee's another. A lot of trades have been made. Phil Kessel was traded to Arizona for Alex Galchenyuk. Kessel was a guy that brought him two cups. As we all know, Boston through Toronto and then now uh, with Pittsburgh, but he's been traded. But the signings that... Um, the I can't pronounce his name, who was on Columbus, who was traded, uh, Artemi per, per, per Yemen. Uh, forgive me, I, I know I'm butchering his name. He's now choosing between the Islanders and Rangers right now. I, I could say it's right now. The Islanders have never signed huge free agents. I could see him going to the Rangers. Rangers obviously have a lot of young players, young core. And I think part of me, he's an older player. No, I think he's, I want to, mm, I don't know. I, I'm not going to put it on his age if I'm way off. It would be nice if the Islanders get him. They need a score in the worst way. They certainly, if they want to take it to the next level, they got to do that. And also got to sign a goalie. Robin Leonard is going to be a free agent too. And he was instrumental, monumental to their success this year. So if the Islanders are going to make any hay, they got to certainly put their hat in the ring and not be frugal and not be what they once were. And let's face it, it's cheap. So if they want to get that uh, Parnenum guy from uh, Columbus over to the Islanders, they better outbid the Rangers, even if they have to overpay, which is sad. But you have uh, Matt Duchesne, who was part of that Columbus mix. Looks like he's going to sign with Nashville. Brett Conley, who was on the Capitals. Uh, looks like he's going to sign with Florida. And then Richard Panics, another guy who's going to probably sign with Washington there. But that's pretty much it. I mean, they've had a bunch of trades. The free agents that are out there. I know Duchesne is a big one. So if he goes to Nashville, uh, that'll be uh, an upgrade for them, considering that they traded P.K. Subban to the Devils. And the NHL free agency period has kicked off today, so we'll see where a lot of these players go. And uh, we'll certainly update that as we uh, move along. Uh, lastly, Wimbledon starts today, and I was beside myself even last week thinking, I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't start at the end of June? Well, I guess they moved it up a week. So it starts today, and it'll end two weeks from uh, yesterday. I know Rafael Nadal made some waves as far as him saying that the seedings were unfair. Now, he's ranked number three in the world. He'll face, if it goes that way, when you figure it will, he'll face Roger Federer in a semifinal. And then, of course, would more than likely have to face Novak Djokovic in the final. And obviously uh, addressed his disdain over that. 
And listen, that's just how it goes. I mean, what could you say? I get that Nadal may think he could be the number one player considering he just came off winning another French Open. But with the way the rankings, and obviously I'm not keen on how they unfold and how they work, but he's not number one where he only has to face one of those two guys, but he's going to have to face them both if he wants to get a Wimbledon, another one in his uh, for his mantle. But well, I mean, what can you say? Rafa, uh, Rafa it's, that's just how it goes. And uh, I understand him being a little bitter about it. But um, And he said he respects it. He respects the tournament, etc. But uh, I don't think, it's not like he's barking at a referee where he may get some calls here. The, the way those rankings work is, I don't know if it's scientific, who knows. But uh, yeah, it's going to be tough sledding for him to try to get that Wimbledon crown. And uh, we'll keep our eyes on that. And as we uh, close out here, my hero in zero of the week. I know I tip my hand with the zero, but the hero is Roberto Luongo. He was a former first-round pick of the Islanders, where, remember, three years later, they drafted Rick DiPietro number one, a la Mike Milbury, thank you. But Roberto Luongo was the highest-drafted goalie at that time, uh, number four overall, started his career with the Islanders, of course, played with the Florida Panthers, was part of a Stanley Cup uh, final team in 2011 for the Vancouver Canucks, then went back to the Panthers. He retires after 19 seasons. He had a, just a long career. Third all-time, I believe, in uh, victories for a goalie, which you would never think, but if you play that long, of course, you're going to rack up a lot of wins. Is he a Hall of Famer? Maybe the stats say so, but... And not that you have to win cups, but when you're looking at guys like Jacques Plante, Ken Dryden, Martin Brodeur, Patrick Waugh, those guys won multiple cups. And... You know, Bernie Perrant, you know, guys like that who were just dominant. And it was Luongo dominant. I'm sure he maybe had stretches. I didn't see all of his games, of course, especially when he went to Florida and Vancouver. But who knows if uh, the Hall of Fame will enshrine him as one of the top goalies of all time. But uh, with that being said, he's not only retiring, but he's staying and living in Parkland. And we all know the atrocity that happened there last or two Valentine's Day ago where he wants to be part of that community and rebuild and just uh, everything that uh, has gone on there with that, uh, not only just with that town, the community, but also that county. So he wants to be a part of that. So kudos to him on a just a stellar career and uh, congratulations. He's my hero of the week. And my zero of the week, I know I could pick on baseball if I'm playing those games in London, but I'm going to pick on the Major League Baseball scheduling because how in the world, and this happens on Memorial Day and also Labor Day too, but knowing that my team does not have a game on, Labor, on uh, 4th of July is a disgrace. And I don't want to hear that, oh, well, look at the Yankees. They're coming from London. They have a two-game series against the Mets, and then they're flying to Tampa for a four-game series. You mean to tell me they couldn't get a four-game series with Philly for this weekend? That's just a disgrace by the schedule makers. They need to do a better job to get all these teams playing on all these holidays, the summer holidays. And that's just a disgrace. Because as much as that's Americana, we all know baseball, I'm not going to, you know, that's part of it. Fourth of July, wherever you're at. Back in the day, you turn on the radio, the TV, you want to have a game on. All right, you can watch the Yankees, and we all know the much better product than the Mets. But as a Mets fan, come on. You got to do better than that Major League Baseball, so you're the zeros this week. And that's uh, that's going to be it for me, J-Rose Podcast. I'm going to try to squeeze in a couple of guests. Or maybe one guest. I'm going to try. My fingers are crossed. Uh, I'm going to see if I can get an NBA spot to rehash all this free agency craziness that's going on. I'll see if I get my man Gerald here in the mix. Uh, I know I've been in contact with him. I know he's been crazy. He does his show on Sirius. So let's see. Maybe by me putting this out there into the universe, that bat signal will get to him. And hopefully before the uh, end of the week, I'll uh, have him up. Or maybe in the next couple of weeks and work on another guest, another uh, good friend of mine, a big fan. He's also a Laker fan too, which I do, will be an interesting spot because he's very outspoken. And that's what I'm trying to do here behind the scenes, people, when I'm independently uh, producing, hosting, writing, editing this program is putting out the best product that I can. And for your participation, people, not only downloading and listening to this i'm forever and eternally grateful for but even more so if you were to go on wherever you get your podcast whether it's on apple Podcasts, google spreaker stitcher spotify luminary if you can not only post a rating leave a review uh your thoughts hey j reels he's crazy or j reels is goofy or j reels he's he's out there but you know what i gotta tune in because whatever whatever it is i don't care whatever it is that you say please do that because all that's going to do is just spike up the interest and also by you participating and doing that will generate a lot of interest and popularity with all the other sports podcasts that are out there and again there are a number of them if you well know there are a zillion podcasts out there and here i am trying to compete with those 
So like I said, by you playing your part is certainly going to be instrumental in spiking up those, not necessarily the ratings, but just the interest. And hopefully it will generate more guests and more people to get on the program in the days and weeks to come. You could also follow me on any of my social media accounts, whether it's J Reels on Instagram, J-A-Y-R-E-E-L-Z, of course. J Reels won the number. I actually may tweak the J Reels handle on Twitter. Uh, I don't know. I may put that in one of my Instagram posts. If you want to follow me on that on my Instagram stories, you'll see that there. Uh, also, the J Reels podcast on Facebook. You could hit me up at a DM on any of those accounts, or if you want to send me an email the old traditional way, you could do that at the J Reels podcast at gmail.com. Because like I said, people, this is my love. This is my passion. If anybody who knows me from whether it's from middle school, grade school, high school, whatever it is, this is what I love to do. Talk sports, give my opinions, not only be entertaining, but also very informative, very knowledgeable, the whole nine. Whether it's happening on the gridiron, on the diamond, on the ice, on the hardwood, on the golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are. The J-Rose Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beast, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond. Peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J-Rose Podcast, on the flip, baby.